0: I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand
1: an exegetical approach.
2: I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in
1: church. Isn't that blasphemy or something?
2: Welcome to the broadcast. This is Theology Unplugged. Michael Patton, Tim Kimberly, Sam Storms. Hello, hello. All joining you in your car, living room. Um, wherever you're at, riding your elliptical machine. Jogging
1: somewhere, perhaps.
2: Jogging somewhere. Morning, noon, night. It's a podcast, so we don't know when you're listening to this. But uh, we are very glad that you have joined us. We are continuing our discussion here this afternoon, afternoon for us.
1: Yeah, well, actually morning for us, but I guess it depends what time zone you're you're First re- referring to but is this our final podcast on on an invitation to calvinism why do you
2: why do you do that right on air what ask that question i don't know
1: because i'm like setting you up to spike it man and i'm well, setting you up if to I say yes we yeah! have to get it done and, and
2: we, <laughs> we, we tried to get the perseverance one done last time but we all got so excited and time ran out and uh,
1: we were persevering so much we couldn't stop
2: that's right Uh, Talking about an invitation to Calvinism We are uh, concluding our broadcast here Possibly today With uh, a conclusion on the perseverance of the saints And then just trying to deal with a few questions And and maybe misconceptions about Calvinism I thought that that would be nice to cover What do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I think so Sounds
2: good You think we can do it?
1: We can, we can shoot for it. That's we can good. do it if we start right now. All right. Yeah. Last time we ended
2: uh, talking about perseverance of the saints and talking about the tension that, that is there between us uh, finding biblical support for being secure in your salvation or, or being secure in your knowledge of your salvation and being secure in your salvation,
1: yeah. uh, but
2: at the same time having this reality that there are types of faith that are out there that don't save. Yeah, um, Where we're talking about the tulip That's the way we're going by this Total depravity uh, Unconditional election Limited atonement Irresistible grace And then finally here as we are finishing up Perseverance of the saints Perseverance of the saints being That we believe That God holds our faith In such a way that we are secure From our standpoint We persevere in our faith Until the end yeah, and that as one of God's elect, God will always accomplish the salvation that He began. He will not leave it in our hands. Thankfully, I mean I, I, that that scares me to death to think that I'm responsible for being able to keep anything spiritually. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, think about exactly, that. yeah. If if God says all right, you know now it's up to you guys. You you, you sinful, yes. uh, Reborn now. Now you're on your own. Go out there and let's see what you can do and see if you can make it till the end. Because you know if you can't. It, it, it's forefoot.
1: I mean, it's hard enough to remember where you put your keys, let yeah. alone to keep your faith intact for the rest of your life.
2: Well, uh, the the idea with me, at least subjectively, I'm, I'm very drawn to this idea of perseverance of the saints. I, I, I I'm I'm hanging on it for for truth because I'll fumble any ball. Yeah,
0: and I, it might be helpful also uh, to clarify one thing because there there are so many misconceptions um, that that people have about what this means or does not mean. You know, the one that I typically hear when the phrasing once saved, always saved is used. Uh, There are people who say, okay, what that really means is once saved, always saved, no matter how you live or what you believe after the time that you are allegedly saved. And that is assuredly not what we are talking about. Um, the idea that somebody can walk an aisle at the age of eight or go forward at a a Billy Graham crusade or raise a hand or sign a card or pray a prayer uh, when they're five or six or even when they're 15 or 20, and then their lives basically degenerate into uh, continual immorality and debauchery and uh, every imaginable sin. And if you confront them and say, Uh, don't you realize that the Bible says that those who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And they say, ah, wait a minute. Don't you believe in once saved, always saved? Mm -hmm. I was once saved, so I guess that means I always am, irrespective of how I
2: live. And we are not saying that. We're talking about... We're not only not saying that, we would stop and say, that is incredibly destructive, and it is a problem in the church. Absolutely.
1: Exactly. We'll come over and hit you in the head with a baseball bat if uh, that's what you're saying.
2: <laughs> well, once you're saved, we'll hit you over the head with baseball bat. Yeah, I mean, that's right. <laughs> and
0: I, I think, honestly, I think there are a number of people who would identify themselves as Arminian, uh, genuine believers who resist this doctrine precisely because they think that 's what we 're suggesting uh-huh. or they think that 's the logical implications of it uh-huh. and I, I just want to say that is we share with our Armenian brothers and sisters a concern for the holiness of life of those who have professed faith in Jesus, and uh, our doctrine is not designed, and nor does it when rightly understood contribute to that false concept that it doesn't matter how you live or you can once you're uh, secured your place in heaven you can then live like hell
2: and it doesn't matter that is not the case at all and and again it's it's coming back to this tension that we're drawing right i mean there's gonna be all these tensions that that at the same time whenever we talk about this and, and and at one time we can say listen Yes, you've committed a heinous sin. Somebody comes to you and say, I, "I just don't think I'm saved anymore because I did this. I committed adultery or something like that." And, and we talk to them and we say, "Listen, you, your salvation is not dependent upon your works or your 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 um, ability to live up to a now uh, a standard that mm-hmm. that we could not live up to before." but at the same time we're not saying the opposite go out and do whatever you want yeah. or however you please live however you please what we're saying is this is that that we believe that the power of God within us is so powerful that not only does he come into our lives and open our hearts and regenerate us and 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 show us his beauty but he leads us and guides us and matures us and changes us, and he doesn't leave the ball in our hands. Right.
0: Yeah. It's this, it, maybe I can put it this way and it would help. This issue is primarily not about the character of the Christian. It's about the character of God. It's about God's commitment in Christ, uh, his promise, his oath. And God cannot lie, that He will in fact preserve and sustain us. It is about the depth of His love. You know, you think about uh, Romans 5 and Romans 8, the uh, much more argument. You know, if God loved us while we were sinners, how much more will He save us now that we are His friends? Or how shall He who did not spare His own Son but delivered Him up for us all, how will He not also together with Him freely give us all things? Let me, let me give you an illustration, if I may, that, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I hope will help our listeners. It's the one that, that has helped me um, as I've reflected on it. When I was living in Dallas, uh, after I'd graduated from seminary, um, we loved to go to the State Fair of Texas. And uh, there had been in Dallas some very uh, notorious and very public child kidnappings uh... in the days leading up to the state fair and it was all over the front page of the newspapers parents watch over your children keep them close to you till we've re- been able to resolve these cases so i remember going with my wife ann uh, taking our um, our daughter melanie who at the time was about five or six years old to the state fair we were walking down the midway and uh, needless to say as a five-year-old or six-year-old however old she was at the time Everything captivated her. Mm. She she wanted to run to every booth, jump on every ride, greet every stranger, go get cotton candy, do just. She wanted to go nuts, basically. Mm. And I was incredibly conscientious as her father about her safety and her welfare. And I wouldn't let go of her hand. And she'd pull, she'd tug, she'd complain, she griped, she cried because. I would insist on going with her, taking her there, standing with her, riding on the rides with her, Mm -hmm. Uh, wouldn't let her go anywhere alone. Now, let's imagine for a moment that we're walking down the Midway and uh, envision the Midway basically as the world at large. And we are the little girl Mm -hmm. and we're captivated, we're enthralled. So many things that glisten and promise fun and uh, and and we're struggling to break free, to run into the arms of all of these things that we think are good, but in fact are life-threatening. Mm. What would somebody say about me as a father if as my daughter is trying to pull away and wants to run down the midway by herself away from mother and dad, if I said, well, to heck with you. I'm tired of your, your uh, childish immaturity. I'm tired of the fact that you don't appreciate that I'm loving you and trying to hold on to your hand, go get kidnapped, see if I care. And I let let her go and let her wander into the dangerous areas Mm. of the state fair and perhaps suffer some really serious uh, consequences. No, my love for my child is so intense, so powerful, so unqualified, I will never let go of her hand.
2: Mm.
0: Now, it... Kind of extrapolate from that or project this onto our relationship with God. Am I a better father to my daughter than God is to his children? Am I more loving? Am I more committed to her protection, her welfare, her safety than God is to ours? The answer to that is obviously no. God the Father's love is so intense His commitment to his children is so deep and profound as seen in the fact that he would make the greatest possible sacrifice for them in the giving of his son. He will never let go of your hand. Mm -hmm. You can pull, you can gripe, you can tug, you can try to break free. But as Jesus said in John 10, he said, nobody can snatch my sheep out of my father's hand. So, I My point is, if, if I was that committed to preserving the life of my daughter uh, at the State Fair, I, I have to believe, based on numerous texts, that my Heavenly Father is even more committed to preserving my life and to holding me secure. No matter how um, uh, rebellious or immature I may be, no matter how badly I want to break free from the grip, he will never ever let go of my hand
1: well and you were warning your daughter you're saying don't let go of my hand you know no don't do that don't run there don't do this you know, you're you're saying things to her but the whole time you're holding on to her hand you know and so she could have been like well because you're saying don't do that that means it's possible for me to do that and so therefore i may do that and run away you're saying hey i'm, I'm stronger than you are i'm, I'm not going to let go of your hand but don't don't run away from me yeah,
0: my will my daughter's will and grip on me was not stronger than my will and grip on her. And yeah. the same is with God. As powerful and as determined as you may think you are, and there are times when because of bitterness or frustration or disillusionment, you might want to try to break free from God. Hmm. He will not let you. He will maintain his loving, preserving grip on your soul
2: and bring you to life's end safe and secure. Let me read the passage that we've been dancing around here. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 29 says, My Father, which gave them to me... Well, let me back up. And I, I give to them eternal life. I'm glad
1: life. that you're learning now to read it in context. Thank so, yeah, much. thanks for backing up there.
2: <laughs> um, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I mean, you just stop there for a moment and, and you think, if they're his sheep, they will never perish. Period. Well, what's the basis of this? Uh, it, it says, they shall never pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Now, now you stop there for a moment and you say, well, is security. You know, we're in the Father's hand. That, that sounds very, very secure. And, and some people say, well, nobody can come from the outside and take your salvation away from you, but you can take your salvation away from yourself. And, you know, the, the thing that I often think about this, uh, uh, this idea is that I've never once I, that I can think of. I've thought about my salvation Worried about my salvation from time to time But I've never once thought Somebody's going to take it away from me from the outside You know Mm -hmm. I've never thought, gosh, what if a demon comes And, -hmm. you know, steals it While I'm asleep Or, you know, uh, or if, uh, if If a Somebody that's an enemy of mine uh, comes and takes it away. A Muslim or, or another religion takes it away. Mm-hmm. I'm never worried about people from the outside. I'm worried about myself. You know. Yeah, but even here, I think Jesus is
0: saying, what a, people who might come to you and with arguments and persuasive reasoning seek to tempt you and lure you and induce you to leave the Father's hand. And he's saying, no, they can't even do that. You know it's interesting think about for just a moment, let's just take what you said, Michael. If in fact every single one of Jesus's sheep has the power within his or her will to uh, get out of the Father's hand in a sense to pluck themselves out, here's what Jesus would be saying: I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand except for every single one of the sheep. Well, that's my point. Yeah. And that's my point. That's the thing I'm exactly. scared about uh, and, and 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 also he says if in if in fact every single one of my sheep might potentially perish you don't communicate that idea by saying and they will never perish. That's Yeah. you've got Jesus according to these people who deny perseverance affirming the absolute antithesis of everything that Jesus is saying. It, It utterly guts his words of any significance whatsoever.
2: Well, that's the point in the end with me. I'm thinking, if I can get myself out, I'm my biggest problem you know my faith is my biggest problem my sin is my biggest problem and if either one of those you know if i'm a true sheep of his but yet i can turn and lose it based upon my own will or my own lack of perseverance or my own lack of of being able to live a a perfected life and i know that Ar- Arminians, most Arminians that I know of, you know, reformed Arminians who would be the uh, opposition, if you will, in, in a certain sense uh, to what we're talking about. Most of them would believe the only way you can lose your salvation is by losing your faith, not by committing some heinous sin. Although there are those out there, you know, like Roman Catholics that would say mortal sins can make you lose your salvation. Yeah. But again, this, this, Whenever I look at this passage, it loses all meaning. If my sin can get me out of out of the Father's hand, and if my own lack of perseverance can get me out of the Father's hand, because I'm my biggest.
1: Problem. Well, and this is why we see, I mean, of course you are because of total depravity, you know, and then this is why we see that unconditional election and limited atonement are how all of this goes hand in hand. Because if with our view on limited atonement is not that it limits the greatness of the atonement, it's the exact opposite is that it makes the atonement so deep and so wide that there's no sin you can commit that has not been atoned for fully for the rest of your life. So you're not worrying, am I going to commit the sin that Jesus didn't atone for? And so you're saying, no, you know, he atoned for all my sin. And then in doing that, uh, he is persevering me to the end. You know, he, he Like Sam's illustration of his daughter, you know, he's, he's totally in control of the situation.
0: Let's also make sure our people note the grounds for why Jesus says what he does. He says in verse 29, this is John 10, 29, My father who has given them to me, there's the doctrine of election, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father, we are one. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So if, in fact, perseverance of the saints is not true, in essence, you're saying, okay, you're then greater than the Father. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, no, the Father is greater than all. And yet you're now in the position of having to say kind of a little parenthetical exception. And the Father is greater than all, parenthesis, except for every single one of the sheep who happen to be greater than the father, close parenthesis. Yeah. If, in fact, the father is greater than all, then there is no power that can result in the extraction from his loving hand of any of those whom he has given to the son.
2: Neither life nor death nor powers nor principalities and, and Romans chapter 8. Nor things present, nor things to come. I like that. I mean, yeah. that's all he had to say. Nor things no, present, nor, nor things to come. And here's
0: the here's the the, the, here's the loophole that is covered. Nor any other created thing can mm. separate us from the love of God. So the only way that you can separ- be separated from the love of God is if it turns out that you're not a created thing, mm. which means you'd have to be the creator. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because that includes Satan and all the demons as well. They are created things. It
0: includes us as
1: well. It includes us. Friends, yeah.
2: at the very end of this, we're going to move into talking a little bit about misconceptions of Calvinism. But we want you to leave here knowing the joy that this brings. I mean, yeah. to, uh, to understand and, and to grab a hold of all of these. And I know that there, there's hard things that we've talked about. But at the same time, at the very end, this is, this is what it comes down to. You're in the Father's hand.
1: Your salvation is a gift.
2: And I would also,
0: I just want to throw keep, keep coming back to this because it's a misconception. Is if, if there are people listening to us who are saying, oh, great, man, I'm really taking to heart this affirmation of my security, I think that means then I can go out and uh, I, can, I, I can get drunk tonight and I can continue sleeping with my girlfriend or I can continue living in a homosexual relationship or I can continue uh, embezzling from my employer because these guys on the podcast told me, Hey, nobody can pluck me out of the Father's hand. And my response to that is, based on numerous scriptures that we don't have time to get into, if you are of the mindset where the concept of eternal security gives you great delight because it seems to give you an excuse or justify your persistence in sin, I'm not convinced you were ever in the Father's hand in the first place. You need to then really evaluate your heart. You need to take stock of your own soul. You need to ask yourself the question, who is Jesus and what does the cross mean to me? Because And and what
2: does it mean to believe? Exactly. I mean, you, you obviously are not living a character, I mean, uh, yes, we fall and yes, there are moments when we get tempted and, and we believe ourselves or believe the lie rather than believing God. But the characteristic is that type of attitude is not the attitude of someone who believes God?
1: You know, a quick illustration that comes to mind would be: It's Christmas morning, and your your favorite beloved grandfather is sitting there, and he he unveils to you that he's been working for some time creating this gift for you that's been at great sacrifice and cost, and he gives you a gift. You open it up, you you see the value of the gift, but then you go up and slap him in the face, or or you you break the gift, and I mean, you would say, well, you didn't truly understand that, you know, because uh, the last thing that you would do once you have realized your salvation is to offend the one that is provided for it.
2: I like the use of the word beloved too. Beloved yes. grandfather. Mm-hmm. And in Jude, uh, he
0: talks about one of the characteristics of people who do not know Christ is that they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Hmm. Some translations render that they pervert it into licentiousness. They use the grace of God and the notion of Perseverance or uh, of security is kind of a trump card to justify living a life of unrepentant immorality, and the New Testament would simply say, if that's the
2: nature of your so-called faith. It's not saving. Faith. Well, what about Martin Luther's statement? I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but whenever the Reformation was coming about and, and, uh, faith alone, sola fide, the, the great battle cry of the Reformation was being proclaimed and articulated more definitely at this time. And, and this is, this was the complaint, I think, of the majority of those in the church in that day. Not only were they scared because of the doctrine of sola scriptura and the possibility of false doctrine because there's no protector, but they were scared because they said, if if you believe in salvation by faith alone, which we do, then people can go out and do whatever they please. And, and I, I understand people's mentality whenever they do that. I understand those people out there that right now you're listening to this mm. and you're saying people can go out and do whatever they to- choose. Whatever you think, whatever you're saying, that's the end conclusion, and people will do what they want. And Martin Luther turned to them and said, This is true, but now what pleases you?
1: Mm.
2: And, and you see mm-hmm. the, 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 what he's trying to say here is, your pleasures change, right? Yeah. You, your life changes. You change from the inside out. And so, yes, you can do what you please, but what pleases you. And if your pleasures, as Sam says, is is you're like, I'm trying to find a way to get out there and live a lifestyle that is anti-God. That evidence is something that uh, is profoundly messed up. Yeah. You haven't had the faith yet, have you? No. No, I, I would agree with Luther. I mean, yeah. he, it, uh, of course, we're going to get into times where we uh, have seasons of difficult temptation, moments of difficult temptation. But I think it's whenever you, you're in neutral, what pleases you. Whenever you're in, in drive for God, what pleases you. But whenever it, it, people act as if, well, you put me in neutral like that, I'm going to you know, go in the opposite direction. I'm going to go for my sins. Yeah. I, I know we do. I know we do. I know I do sometimes. But the point is, is that my deepest pleasure right now, and I can say this to you, all of you honestly, is that I want to serve the Lord, even though I fail and even though I mess up. But that's where my greatest pleasure lies. And I, whenever I fall into sin, whenever uh, you know, I do something wrong, I hate it. Yeah, I, it, it's, it, There's a deep hatred for that, mm. even though there can be a season of enjoyment for it
1: yeah well said
2: and, and and this is this is the thing that we're trying to bring people to, isn't it Sam that that we're not trying to promote this anything goes mentality, but at the same time we're trying to leave grace intact. Yeah. You, you out there who who are in sin and you're a Christian and you're torn by it and, and it's hurting you, we're not saying you're not saved.
1: Yeah, well, because in many ways that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life to to turn you to reflect your Savior.
2: Yeah. We're not saying you're not saved. What we're saying is this, that the security of the believer, the perseverance of the saints is something that God does through us because he is
1: powerful, and you can rejoice in that because you are recognizing that the living God of the universe is moving your life uh, to persevere. Hmm.
2: All right. Well, we we acted as if we were going to uh, finish up with some <laughs> misconceptions about Calvin. Mere today. fools we are. But we may have to pick that up next week and uh, talk about... Uh, uh, there, there's quite a few out there. You've, we've already been dealing with one major one right here, a misconception about the doctrine of perseverance and what it leads to. Yeah. Uh, but there's many others. Can you give us any preview, Sam, of uh, maybe one or two things that...
0: Well, the one that we always hear, it's actually twofold, is that, well, if Calvinism is true, why pray, why preach? Hmm. In other words, prayer seems to be emptied of its value... Um, and, um, evangelism, uh, loses its incentive. Why, if, if God has given some to the son and, uh, he has assured us that all those whom he has given will persevere, why preach, why bother, uh, it seems, uh, unnecessary, um, same with prayer, why intercede for things if God in fact has already foreordained that his children will receive them or conversely won't receive them? Why evangelize? Yeah, so those are those are probably the two uh,
2: most uh, vocal objections that we often hear. I got mm-hmm. a few. like if Calvin, Calvinism is a system which denies God's love, universal love, that he mm-hmm. doesn't love everybody
1: mm-hmm.
2: That's a misconception, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll argue for that. I'm not saying that some Calvinists don't believe that, but it's not a necessary component uh, that God creates people in order to send them to hell. That God is the author of evil, which I think many people look at this and that's the only place that they can go to is say, if everything you've said is correct, we're puppets. God, if evil exists, God had to bring it into being himself. And therefore, he is the author of
1: you, and maybe even finds pleasure in that as well. Sam's holding back; he's over here wanting to jump on these right
2: now. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I'm just thinking of another one uh, that I've often heard: is that you
0: Calvinists elevate uh, human logic above Scripture. That you're Calvinist because it makes good rational sense. All the pieces of the puzzle, the five points of tulip, fit together. But um, you are you play fast and loose with Scripture.
1: Huh. Mm.
2: All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Still, yeah, we'll, we'll try to cover this in one session
1: next time. And right. we have talked about arrogance as well. We did a whole series on arrogance, but sometimes that can be attached. You know, people uh, holding these these truths that we would say are biblical, but we would say holding them in ways that that aren't 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 good, humble ways. As some well.
2: of these we've talked about. Some of these it's just going to be a rehash of, uh, of yeah. pulling together. But I, I promised our viewers, and uh, through emails and and other places, that we would deal with some of these questions that they've been bringing in. So. So I'm going to read those, and we'll talk about them next time. All right, until then, um, I hope you're enjoying this invitation to Calvinism. You've been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.